Welcome to the SMC 2022 podcast. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave an invitation that changed the world. Come, follow me. Today, we have the same invitation. I am pumped that you're tuning in because if you found yourself listening to this episode, it probably means that you have no idea what you're supposed to do with your life. Well, you're in good company. Every person on the face of the planet has in some fashion considered this question. What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do with my life? And that is exactly the topic that we're diving into. But first, who the heck is this guy that you're listening to and why should you even listen to him? Well, my name is Jacob Bookout and I'm on staff with Stumo at the University of Arkansas. I'm a Northwest Arkansas native. I grew up on a small ranch riding horses and roping cattle. My 2021 Spotify wrapped aura was euphoric and chill, and I was in the top 0.05% of listeners of the Black Keys, which is my favorite band. I'm a huge fan of Onyx Coffee. I love to mountain bike, and I'm an avid listener of the Bible Project podcast because I'm a bit of a Bible nerd. I'm also a fortune teller. Let me explain. See, I came into college having absolutely no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Give me an amen if you relate. I basically just threw a dart to pick my degree, and I decided I'd just figure things out as I went. My lack of knowing exactly what I wanted to do with my life eventually started to drive me crazy, especially as so many of my friends had a direction that they were going after they graduated. There was a desire to know exactly what my purpose in life was and the direction that I needed to go, and I just couldn't shake it. As I started to follow Jesus in college, I began to study the purpose of humanity, indirectly at first, but eventually as a consistent topic. As I learned what God had to say about us as people, I fell in love with the book of Genesis As I grew in my understanding of Genesis, I reflected on my desire to know what my purpose in life was. And in hindsight, I realized that the way I thought about my purpose in life and all of the anxiety from not knowing what my purpose was, was because the vision that I had for my life was too small. It was too narrow. Have you ever asked yourself that question? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do with my life? Take just a second and pause the episode if you need to and really think about this. What do you believe your purpose is in life? We can so easily get hung up on trying to answer this question by figuring out what our career is supposed to be, what we're, who we're supposed to marry, where we're supposed to live, what social cause to be a part of, that we miss an even greater, more fulfilling purpose. One that can relieve the anxiety of trying to figure out exactly what we are supposed to do with our lives. Imagine if we didn't have to worry about the stress of trying to find your place in the world. What would it feel like if you were free from the stress of not knowing if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing? I'm a fortune teller because I'm going to tell you exactly what you're supposed to be doing with your life. Now, this may sound like an impossible task, you know, figuring out your purpose in life, but I promise that we can. We just have to change our perspective a little bit. And as much as Tom Brady was born to throw a football and T. Swift was born to write breakup revenge songs, 
at the end of this podcast, you will know your purpose in life. So let's dive in. One of my favorite movies is Ford versus Ferrari. It tells the story of how legendary race car designer Carroll Shelby teamed up with the Ford Motor Company to develop a new breed of supercar that would rival the well-established Ferrari family racing team in the highly sought-after 24 Hours of Le Mans race. Earlier in the movie, we meet this cheeky British race car driver and a genius mechanic named Ken Miles, and he's interacting with an extremely displeased customer. The customer's complaint is that after the Brit worked on his sports car, it wasn't driving properly. The mechanic proceeds to explain to the customer that it's not the car that has anything wrong with it. It's that this customer doesn't know how to drive it properly. The problem is the car was built for racing, for fast speeds, hard turns, precise handling, but the customer couldn't handle the horsepower, which is why when he drove the sports car like a station wagon, it felt like it wasn't driving properly. He then proceeds to advise the now furious customer to look into buying a more suitable mom car for his driving style. I love this scene in the movie because it's an example of someone who knows the ins and outs of a creation, how it's supposed to function, and the purpose it was created to fulfill, to go fast. He knew this because he helped design and maintain these cars. Just like any other created thing, we as people have a purpose. And the best way to figure out what our purpose is, is for us to go to the one who designed and created us, God. God's foundational definition for the reason we exist is found in the early chapters of the book of Genesis, which tells the account of God creating all things and giving them purpose. In chapter one of Genesis, we find God hard at work creating everything. The galaxies, the earth, night and day, the seas, plants, animals. But he saves the pinnacle of his creation for last, humankind. In Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, it says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is the record of God creating humankind. And in this record, we see that God simultaneously tells us the purpose of humankind, and our purpose is wrapped up in this repeated phrase image of God. What do you think the phrase image of God means? If you grew up in church or have ever been following Jesus for a little bit now, you've probably heard this section of scripture quoted. You also probably have some ideas as to what being made in God's image or being an image bearer means. Maybe when you hear image bearer, you think of the characteristics that humans share with God that are unique from the rest of creation. We can think critically. We can speak. We have spirits and souls. We can create and are innovative. We're highly intelligent. We follow moral codes. We're capable of love and caring for others way beyond any animal's ability. 
and we have a general concept of right and wrong. All of these are very true of being made in God's image. But these characteristics are not all that it means to be an image bearer of God. In fact, they're not even the main point. If you've ever been to other parts of the world or grew up in a context where you were around religions other than Protestant, Catholic, or Orthodox Christianity, or even Judaism, you may be familiar with what idols are. Think of the little Buddha statues that you see in restaurants, or maybe statues of the Hindu god Ganesha, the one who has the elephant head. Or, if you're a Marvel fan, even idols of Thor or Odin in Scandinavia. These wooden, stone, and metal statues are idols to these gods. These statues are not the gods themselves, but they're meant to be a representation of the god to the people. Now, when God says he made mankind in his image, he is literally saying that he made us to function as idols. Not in order for people to worship us on behalf of God, but for us to be God's representatives here on earth so that all of creation would look at humans and see reflections of God himself through the way that people live. If we keep reading in Genesis 1, we see God tell humans that they are to raise families, to cultivate and expand the garden that he placed them in, to subdue and take care of the animals that he created. Just as God created all of these good things and sustains them, humans are supposed to keep creating, to keep making better and more, and in doing so, expand God's good creation there in Eden out to the rest of the world. Our purpose, according to God in the account of him creating us, is to be with God and to expand his goodness and blessing out to all people in all parts of the earth. This is what it means to bear God's image. Now, you might be thinking, okay, so you're saying that being an image bearer is my purpose, generally. But what exactly does that look like? Like, what am I supposed to do? You may even be wondering, like, what is my purpose, the specific thing that I am supposed to be doing that is unique to me from God? And I'm glad you asked. It seems like the majority of people, including myself, desire to play a unique role in the world. God often directs people to do very specific things with their lives. But that's not actually how the Bible talks about our purpose and how we fulfill it primarily. If we jump from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis to the very last section of the Bible, we find a direct, real-life example of what this purpose looks like played out in life. In the book of Colossians, Paul writes a letter to a group of people who follow Jesus and who live in a culture and city that is pressuring them to stop following Jesus, not too dissimilar from our own culture. Paul's main point to these believers is to encourage them to remember what their purpose is and what it looks like to live out their purpose. In the beginning of the letter, where Paul tells us what the letter is going to be about, he writes a short poem with this beginning. He, speaking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Sound familiar? Paul says, hey, Jesus is the example for our purpose, being image bearers. Look to him when you're trying to figure out how to live and how to be in your purpose. If Jesus is our example of being an image bearer, then we should figure out what his life looked like, right? Well, if we read the four accounts of Jesus's life in the Bible, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John at the beginning of the New Testament, we find that Jesus lived a quite shocking life. 
He was merciful and kind to people on the margin of society, to the outcasts. Though he was God, he was humble with his friends and his family. He was gentle and patient with those who he taught what it means to live with God, even when they kept not getting it. He loved and forgave those who didn't deserve it, even his enemies who would eventually torture and execute him for treason, even whenever he was innocent. And he lived like this at every stage of his life. Whenever he was a boy being raised by his parents and learning from his teachers, when he was a young man working in the family business with his father, and when he stepped onto the scene as the son of God, who was here to tell people about a new way of life that he was bringing in and how to live in that new way of life. After Paul reminds the Colossians that Jesus is the example of our purpose, he goes on to instruct them on what their purpose looks like on a daily basis. In chapter three of the letter to the Colossians, Paul says this, put to death, that is resist living in this way. And then he gives us a list sexual immorality, impurity, evil desires, greed, anger, slander, abusive language, lying. This is a list of what the norms of the culture are, that these Christians are around every day. Paul says, hey, don't live like this. This is not what the life of an image bearer of God looks like. Maybe you can relate to with this list. I know I can. Fantasizing about a relationship with that guy looking at that girl like an object rather than a person, cussing someone out when they make you mad, speaking poorly about someone, especially behind their back, bending the truth and making up lies to make yourself look better in front of your friends, cheating on your boyfriend or your girlfriend because you know that you can get away with it, doing whatever it takes to achieve success, cheating on a test, undercutting someone for an exec position, you fill in the blank. Instead of living like the culture, like the way that we so often want to live, especially when other people hurt us, we ought to live like this, chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, with a heart of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiving each other, especially when you have a complaint against someone, just as Jesus forgave you. Add love to all parts of your life. Let peace that comes from knowing Jesus be in control of your life and be thankful. Sound a lot like Jesus lived, doesn't it? Take just a second to examine different areas of your life. Are there any areas of your life that line up with the norms of the culture and what you naturally desire more than how to live, how Jesus lived and interacted with people? Feel free to pause the podcast and think about that for a second. Paul caps off this letter to Colossians with this statement in verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, to Jesus and Paul, it doesn't matter what you're doing with your life. You can be a college student, a financial advisor, a mother or father, a teacher, a nurse, a pastor or missionary, living in Dallas or KC or Austin or Fayetteville, or on the other side of the world. And you are still called to the same purpose, that whatever it is you're doing, whatever role you have on this earth, you live in the same way Jesus lived. 
caring about the same things Jesus cared about, and helping expand God's kingdom by doing your role in life with excellence while you live the lifestyle demonstrated by Jesus and explained to the Colossians. If you're doing that, you don't have to worry about finding your purpose in life because you've already found it. Our purpose is to be image bearers of God. We are image bearers by being with God and spreading his goodness everywhere we go. We spread his goodness everywhere we go by following Jesus' example of life, living the way Paul encouraged the Colossians to live, and doing everything as if Jesus asked us to do it. Later on in Ford versus Ferrari, Ken Miles takes Henry Ford II, the owner of Ford Motor Company, on a ride in Ford's newly developed supercar in an effort to prevent Ford from making a drastic mistake in choice of driver for the 24 hours of Le Mans race. Ken's goal is to show Ford exactly what it looks like for this supercar to fulfill its purpose with the right driver behind the wheel. The adrenaline-filled ride consisting of hard current... excuse me, hard corners and speeds over 200 miles per hour leaves Ford in tears. Though Ford knew the purpose of the newly developed car, he lacked the practical understanding of what it means for this machine to fulfill its purpose. We can know our purpose based on what God has told us about being his image bearer, and we can know that we are supposed to be with him and spread his goodness everywhere we go. But unless we consider what this entails for each of our lives— the practical experience of living like this, we will completely miss the joy that comes with this knowledge. So let's just take a few more minutes to discuss how we can practically pursue this purpose every day for whatever stage and role of life you're in. I have three criteria that I think will help us evaluate if we are living in our purpose. And the first criteria is this, am I following Jesus? Am I following Jesus? This is the necessary foundation of our purpose as image bearers and as humans. If we jump back into Genesis 1 in the garden, we recall that part of humans bearing God's image was the fact that they were in relationship with him in the garden. The only problem is on the very next page of Genesis, we as people utterly screwed that up. Instead of trusting God as our creator who knows exactly what is best for us and living based on that, humans decided not to trust God and to choose what they thought was best, defining what is good and not good on their own. And in doing so, they broke the relationship that they had with God. And if part of our purpose in being an image bearer of God means that we have to be with God, this means that we as humans broke part of our purpose. Instead of reflecting God outward to creation, we have turned inward towards ourselves and began reflecting evil and corruption and curses. This is humanity's problem. It's that we're sinful. Luckily, God didn't leave us as broken images separated from him. He stepped in to lovingly fix what we messed up by coming in the world in the human of Jesus. Jesus lived life as the perfect image of God for our sake, accepted the death penalty that we deserve, and then was raised back to life so that we can be united to him as perfect image bearers and be with God again. You will never experience living out your purpose if in life if you're not following Jesus. I know that that is a bold thing to say, but if everything we've discussed so far is true and Jesus is who he says he is, this is an inescapable reality. To be in relationship with God, we must believe that Jesus is who he says he is, 
trust that following him and submitting to him as king of everything is how we come back into a relationship with God. Jesus said it himself, no one comes to the father except through me. The second criteria is this, what are your current roles in life? And are you being God's image bearer in those roles? See, we all have different roles in life. Many of us are currently students in college. Some of you may be in Greek house or even in an exec position in that house. Some may be on an athletic team. Some may work a full-time job. And we're all daughters and sons with mothers and fathers. We're friends and boyfriends and girlfriends. Are you bearing God's image as you fulfill those roles? Are you taking tests with integrity? Are you loving your fraternity brother, your sorority sister, your roommates and teammates, even when they don't deserve it? Are you honoring your parents in your speech and your conduct towards them? Are you treating your girlfriend with honor and purity? Do you forgive the people in your house who speak negatively about you and hurt you? Do you go out of your way to offer aid to people in your city who have less? Do you tell people about how you started following Jesus and how they can as well? Are you creating things and advancing projects at work for the benefit of clients in your community? If you are living this way, then you have found your purpose. The third criteria is this. What are my personal passions? Like we've talked before, your purpose in life, it's not wrapped up in obtaining a certain role or title, and it's not working in a certain career or achieving a unique social cause. It's being an image bearer in whatever role you have in life. However, history is flooded with examples of how God has used ways that he has wired individuals uniquely to advance his kingdom. William Wilberforce, an English politician and follower of Jesus who had a burden for those ensnared in slavery. He bore God's image while in parliament and led a movement that ended slavery in Britain. Florence Nightingale, she was a young British woman who, deeply, who was deeply passionate about social reform in favor of the masses of sick and poor people in the 1800s. She did not consider herself religious until one day she felt as though God had grabbed hold of her through the scriptures and prompted her to be on mission for him in this social reform. Her commitment to God, paired with her passions for health and brilliance and statistics, led her to be the founder of modern-day nursing and hospitalization. Kings, queens, and even the president of the United States would consult with her on how to build their healthcare systems. There was a German orphan who loved and studied music his whole life, and at the age of 48, he discovered a German translation of the Bible and fell in love with Jesus. He devoted his music composition to creating music that would glorify God. Johann Sebastian Bach would go on to be one of the greatest composers in history and utterly define music in the Western world. Mary Kay Ash was a businesswoman in the 1960s who had a passion for women and the workplace at a time when male dominance was the norm. After being passed over for a promotion by a man who she had trained, again, Mary decided to start her own cosmetics company with the foundations of instilling confidence in women as image bearers of God, working for others' success above your own, and working diligently for God. That cosmetic company would go on to be Mary Kay Incorporated and is today a $2.5 billion business. Derek Carr was a college football quarterback who started passionately following Jesus after a period of pursuing the party lifestyle that came with being the big man on campus. 
At the end of college, he was about to become a pastor, but then he felt like God was leading him to stick with his football skills. Derek entered the NFL draft and has been the QB for the Las Vegas Raiders for eight years now. Derek has used his position as quarterback in the NFL to share the gospel with thousands of people, including his teammates. And he has an open hand to God with his career in the NFL. We can't let our passions or interests be the main driver of our lives, but becoming self-aware of how you're wired could open doors to advancing God's kingdom in unique ways. What could it look like for you to explore your personal passions as an image bearer of God? Here's a couple tips. Ask God to lead you into this. The closer you walk with Jesus, the more sensitive you will become to him leading you towards or away from certain things. Jesus says he gives his followers the Holy Spirit to help us in all aspects of life. Make it a regular practice to ask God to show you what he would like you to do. Here's another tip. Identify what you're attracted to. Do you have a strange affinity for a culture or a nation overseas? Maybe God is drawing you to take the gospel there. Do you love helping others understand complex ideas? Maybe God is leading you to exercise your gift of teaching in your career or ministry. Learning to leverage and live in the strengths, talents, and passions that you have will both be enjoyable and will help you see potential opportunities to uniquely be an image bearer. Here's one more tip. Observe the current open doors. If you are convinced that God is wanting you to advance the kingdom in this one place, in this one city, in this one job, but you have absolutely no in and no opportunity to that city or to that job, he might not want you going there, at least for now anyways. The Bible is filled with stories of God asking people to do things for him, and he always opens doors to do what he has asked. You need to have open doors. Here's a final tip. Ask your community. Proverbs 15.22 says this, Plans fail for the lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. If you want to find success in being an image bearer in unique ways for God, you have to surround yourself with other people who are committed to also being image bearers. A wise community that follows Jesus will be able to see strengths and weaknesses that you may be unaware of. They may see patterns in your life, interests, fears, desires that you can't identify on your own. They will also be able to give you wise advice when considering opportunities. So, the three criteria. Am I following Jesus? What are my current roles in life? And am I bearing God's image in those roles? And finally, what are my personal passions? If you think through those three criteria, I think you'll be well on your way to actively living in your purpose for life. You know, when Jesus came onto the scene in year AD 30, the Roman Empire ruled the majority of the known world. It was a superpower unlike any other. 350 years later, Rome crumbled. Historians attributed part of the cause of the fall of Rome to the early Jesus movement. Christianity spread like wildfire through the empire. And as people's lives changed, as they stopped practicing the ways of Rome and started following Jesus— the empire dissolved from the inside out. The spread of Christianity was the fastest spread of religion or movement in history. The incredible thing about this movement is that it didn't primarily occur through leaders of nations, the rich, or the elite. Most followers of Jesus were just normal people following Jesus in their normal lives. 
Rome fell because a huge group of people lived out their purpose of being image bearers of God in their day-to-day lives. How different would your life be in this year if you committed to living as an image bearer of God in your day-to-day life? How different would your campus be if you linked arms with other believers on your campus and lived in your purpose of being with God and spreading his goodness everywhere you went? What would happen if believers in America stepped away from our narrow view of life, zoomed out, and committed ourselves to imaging God in every venue of society? Take just one more second and revisit that question that we pondered from the beginning of the podcast. What is your purpose in life? Has this purpose changed? If it hasn't, what would need to happen for it to change? If it has, what's going to be different about the way you're living right now? Y'all, thanks so much for choosing to tune into this episode. You can find all the other breakouts from SMC on Apple Podcast and Spotify on the SMC 2022 podcast. And remember, whatever you do, do it as an image bearer of God.